Amen. Praise the Lord. What a beautiful song. Amen. When I, uh, when I heard that song called Sparrows, I was thinking about a song my mother sang just before she passed, and it just took me back to that moment when I reflected on how the Lord just touched her life and used her during those moments. The very last words that came out of her mouth was the word sparrow that I remember. And it was amazing to see as uh, she was singing, his eye is on the sparrow and you know he watches over me. And uh, Brother Moses, thank you for that song this morning. God does take good care of us, doesn't he? Amen. I've never been in any time in my life where the Lord was not watching over my life, wasn't doing something in my life and through my life. There's never been a moment where his hand was not upon me. The Bible says that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. Amen. And because of that reason, we can be secured in the reality of knowing that he is on our side in every situation that we face in life. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. You know, we're living in a time where people are in doubt on many things. There's one thing we should never doubt, and that is that we should never doubt that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. We should never doubt that God is always there. There is not one thing that's going on in our world right now that takes God by surprise. There's not one thing that God is looking out and saying, oh my goodness, I didn't see that coming. No, God knows all things and he sees all things and he's working all things together for the good of them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Amen. So everything can work together for the good. So you mean to tell me that even my past life, the bad things that happened, the things that went on, the stuff that I did that I knew when I was away from God, you mean to tell me God, listen, God says all things work together. Amen. Some of you would have never known what victory is like had you not gone through a bad time. You can't live on the mountaintop and, not, and, and, and then expect that if that's the only place you ever live, that you never see that on the other side there's a valley. There's valleys. But in valleys, in valleys, the, the grass is greener, the water's clearer, amen. There is better refreshment, no wonder. And I'm, I, you know, one of the things that uh, I'm, I'm going to be talking about here on, on my uh, daily shelter, shelter daily that I do every day, is we're doing a, a series through the psalm, and we're going through different psalms, and one of them is going to be Psalms 23. And I'm telling you what, that psalm, when I began to uh, dissect it and, and feed on what the Word says, it opened up an entire, an entire new vision of what I know God and what He can do as the Good Shepherd. Amen. And I hope that you'll, if you have not ever uh, listened to any of our daily, our sheltered dailies, they're on every morning, 10 a.m. Uh, they come on from 10 to 10.30 in the morning and they're they're available uh, not only at that time but you can go back if you want to go back to our website or wherever you may go on whatever platform you want to look at you can find them there and you can uh, pick up on them we also have uh, one of the one of the beautiful things now is we have what we call podcasting for those of you that may not know what that is it's like having your radio on your phone 
and you can listen to, to the messages that we preach and the teaching that we teach you're able to pick that up and you can do that in your car when you're driving to work or wherever you may be so whatever platform you may use uh, please by all means I hope that uh, you will enjoy that and that it will be nourishment to your spirit man amen my desire is to help you to grow in Christ I don't want you to stay immature believers I want you to be mature amen it doesn't matter how old you are amen what matters is are you spiritually growing that's what matters amen praise the Lord well do you love the Lord Amen. Y'all off of quiet today. I don't know if you just wore out from all the snow or, or if it's just one of those times in the year where everybody's like, man, I'd be glad when this winter is over. Hallelujah. Come, here you go. Amen. I'm telling you, we're going to really appreciate spring this year. Can you say amen? <laughs> I'm going to ask you, if you will, with me to stand together. For those of you that are watching us this morning, we're going to be going to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6 together. So if you uh, have your Bibles, you can open them up. If you have your smartphone, you can open it up. Go to your Bible app, whatever it is, however means you use to read the Word of God. It's also going to be provided on the screen this morning so you can read along with us. Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10. Finally, my brethren. Can you say finally? finally. Amen. Wow. We've got there. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Let me just stop here for a moment and just say this. The, the Apostle Paul references these specific works of darkness. But I want you to understand something very clearly this morning. There's more than principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realm. Amen. There are angelic beings hosts of heaven that are in heavenly places in fact my bible tells me that it only takes one angelic being to destroy satan himself michael the archangel who is like the most high his name means when he stands before the arch enemy satan he speaks that word who is like the most high he is in heavenly places. But above all of that, King Jesus is in heavenly places. Can you give God praise for that this morning? Amen. I don't ever want you to get to the place to where you feel like, man, the only thing in heavenly places is darkness. The only thing in heavenly places is principality. No, 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 no. The apostle Paul is drawing reference to this understanding that in the heaven realm in these realms that we don't see with our eyes but we see with the spirit man that there are these beings there but greater is he that is in you <laughs> oh i just get a witness of that right now greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world amen 
This is why he says, therefore, finally, therefore, because of these reasons, this is what you and I have to do. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the, in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always in all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, Lord, long to know and to equip ourselves to do spiritual battle in these last days. And I pray, God, that the Word today will speak to our hearts and may it penetrate, Lord, all of the things the enemy tries to do to confuse, to try to uh, distract, to try to intimidate your people, that the Word of God is quick and powerful. It pierces to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joint on the morrow. It discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Therefore, Father, I'm asking you that you will take and anoint these feeble lips of clay. God, I know that in myself I can do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. So speak to us, Father, we pray. Holy Spirit, let us not leave out of here this morning the same way we walked in, but let us walk out today changed and transformed by the renewing of the Word of God in our mind and that, God, we will walk upright and steadfast and unmovable in the faith, we pray in the name of Jesus. All of God's people say, praise the Lord. Praise Amen. The Lord. You may be seated this morning. A few years ago, we planned a mission trip to South America. Now, as you know, from your high school geography class, you know that South America is south of the equator, right? We all know that. And we also, you know, make the assumption that anything below the equator is warmer than where we are because we're in the northern part and uh, anything south of the equator usually is, and I say usually because as you've seen uh, just in the last week and a half, two weeks, that even the cold can reach even below the equator. But that, that being said, when I was planning to go to South America, I made it a, a point to study, to know where it was I was going, because I'd never been there before, never been to South America, and I needed to understand something about the country that I was going in. I needed to know the location that we would be visiting, and I also wanted to know what we were going to be doing. But I was taking a team with us, and we were going down there, and I discovered that knowing that they live south of us, below the equator, was not enough. Wasn't enough just to know that South America is below the equator. It was just as important for me to know just how far south that I would be going in order for me to understand 
the climate that I would be in. Not only that, it was also imperative that we understand the time of year that we were going. The first time that we went, visited the northern part of Chile in the uh, town of Arica and Iquique, we discovered that even though that we were traveling in November where the temperatures here were very, very cold, we discovered that down there in Arica and Iquique, it was hot, very hot. Just ask Junior Lopez. He got sunburned really bad. We didn't realize it would be that hot. So the next time that we left Chicago in June to fly down to Santiago, we discovered that it was cold. It was hot here, but cold down there. Now, I, I say that because I think it's important that when you're planning a trip, right, you have to plan how you dress for a trip. So in November in Northwest Indiana, Thanksgiving time, right just before Thanksgiving, we were wearing heavy coats, hats, gloves, and when we left here in Chicago, it was, you know, about 30 degrees or so. When we arrived in South America, got off the airplane in, in uh, Arica or Akike, when we stepped off the plane, it was like 85 degrees. So we left here, I left here with a, with a flannel shirt um, and a jacket and got off the airplane in a flannel shirt and a jacket in 80 degree weather. Not a good combination in 80 degree weather. The other side was, is when we traveled south, even further south, in the summertime here, we left here in short sleeves and uh, it was 80 degrees and we got down there and when we got there, it was 30 degrees. If you didn't have a coat when you got off the airplane, you froze. The reason I say that is because it's kind of one of those things that if you really don't understand where you are or plan where you're going, you can dress inappropriately. You can dress here because the temperature is one thing, but you can travel south with the assumption that because it's below the equator, that at the time of year it's hot here, it will be hot there, and find out you are completely under or, 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 or underdressed. You can do the other way and find out that you are overdressed. This is, a, this is one of those things, because we oftentimes don't remember, we forget that in our, in our science class that the earth tilts on its axis, right? So we're further from the sun right now, and they're closer to the sun, and then we'll be closer to the sun, and they'll be further from the sun. But if you don't know that, then you don't know how to dress. You, you, you'll find yourself looking like we did when we were going through the markets trying to find sweatshirts to buy so that we could stay warm because we were cold. 
And the further south we went and the higher elevations we got, the colder it got. To the point to where that in one, one instance we actually went all the way up to the glaciers and we were up above in the, up in the mountains and, and when we got up there, I discovered that while we were there that the flamingos migrate there in the wintertime. Uh, our winter, and, and down there, it's their winter. And I didn't realize that flamingos love cold weather. I didn't know that. Did you know that? No, because we always often associate flamingos with warm weather in Florida, right? They're always, and they do, they come in. But down there, up in these glaciers and these lakes, and while we were there, we, we were up there with the geysers and we we're freezing. Most people, there's a few of them that wouldn't even get out of the bus because it was so cold they didn't want to get out there. And then there was some people while we were there that actually got out and got in their swimming trunks and actually took a dip in the warm water that comes off of the, off the volcano. It's a strange thing if you don't know how to dress. It's, it's, a, it's a, an interesting is issue that you need to be prepared for where you're going and what you're going to be doing. Amen? This is something, when I thought about that, I thought this is what the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, to these Christians everywhere, when he talks to us about what we are to wear when we engage in spiritual warfare. That's what Ephesians 6 is all about. Paul gives us clear instruction about the specific wardrobe that is necessary for us not only to wear, but what we need to have packed and ready to put on in order for us to be victorious in spiritual warfare. Let me just pause here for a moment and say, many times we find ourselves being defeated in spiritual warfare because we didn't take along with us the necessary items that we needed. Or, like I did when I was going up to the mountains, I forgot that I had packed my Under Armour and uh, I got all dressed and left out and about the time that I got up to the, up to the top of the volcano, I realized, dude, you forgot your Under Armour. It doesn't do me any good knowing that I have it because it's sitting three hours back home. I can't just stop and say, oh, wait a minute, I got to go back and get it. It's too late then. I may have brought it with me, but I didn't take it with me. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the Apostle Paul tells us that we need not only to pack and dress, but we need to have things readily available to us in order for us to be able to have it so that when we engage, we will have the proper things we need to engage. See, Paul is very concerned about what we're wearing. Now, I'm not talking about, again, I'm not talking about your external clothing. I'm talking about the spiritual armament that we need in order for us to be able to engage the enemy. The reason why I think sometimes we forget that, that we need this armor is because we oftentimes forget that we're in battle. We forget about that. 
We think that we can just go through life and just live life and just do life and, you know, all these things. And we have no, a lot of times we have no real spiritual awareness of the reason why things are happening the way they are is because we are in a constant fight for our spiritual well-being. The battle is not physical. The battle is spiritual. The warfare is not physical. It's not here, although a lot of times it manifests itself because remember the enemy he works through visible things. That's right. He uses things visible to us in order for us to, so that he can engage, intimidate, deceive. They have to be things, they're things we see, things that are around us, but many times we don't even realize that that's what's going on. People are just the, the conduit, if you will, that the enemy uses in order to operate in the realm that we live in. People, and even our own flesh, are simply the host of the invisible conflict that manifests itself in the physical, visible realm. Everything, listen, everything visible and everything physical is always preceded by something invisible and spiritual. Amen. Now, you can deny that if you want to, but it doesn't change the reality that the way in which the enemy moves against us is through things visible and physical, and those things always are preceded by something that is invisible and spiritual. See, when you're, when you're warring against your spouse, it is not your spouse physically that you're warring against. Come on, amen. If you're getting in an argument with your spouse, it is not your spouse physically that you're arguing with. You are arguing with that which is spiritual, something on the inside that is coming out in a visible way, amen. That's how the enemy works. The goal is to address the, some form of stronghold or conflict or trial in your visible physical world, you're going to need to address the things that are invisible. If you're going to deal with the things that are going on in the world you live in, you're going to have to realize that the things you see with your eyes are happening because something spiritual is going on. Amen. So if you're in a conflict, if you're going through a trial, if you're dealing with something in the physical realm, you can, you can be assured that you don't just address the physical part. You have to address the spiritual part. Amen. Why? Because if you don't address the spiritual part, the physical part will keep coming after you and after you and after you and after you, and after you. Amen. How many times have you gotten into, and I'm just going to use, you know, marriage for a moment because it's one of those things that many of us understand. How many of you have ever gotten in an argument with your spouse and said, I'll never do that again when you apologize? And then next week, guess what happens? You just did it again. And then what do you say? Oh, I'm sorry, I'll never let that happen again. And then next week comes along, the next week comes along, and what happens? You're right back at it again. 
Why, why does this pattern keep happening? See, you're thinking that you're saying, I'm sorry, I recognize what I'm doing, I know there's something wrong here, I won't do it again. You think that you have the power within yourself to control that. What you have to understand, it is Satan and his imps who are out to steal, to kill, and destroy your marriage. And until you recognize that, no amount of saying I'm sorry is going to change the reality of what really is happening in your spirit, man, because the only way to change the outward things is to deal with the inward part of your own heart. Amen. That's the, re that's the truth. And we know this. We know this to be true. And yet, because we know it to be true, we still fail to address it. We don't want to deal with it. The goal, the goal has to be that when, we're, when we find ourselves dealing with a stronghold in our lives, that when we're dealing with conflict or trials or things that are visible in the physical world, we've got to be willing to address the spiritual part, the invisible part, in order for us to have victory over that. We cannot ignore the fruit. But our problem is that we all too often focus heavily on the management or the attempting of trying to change things. Amen. So that's why people, when they come down to the altar, a lot of times they'll come down and they'll pray and they'll say, oh God, forgive me, God, forgive me, and I won't never do it again, God. And they go right back out and they start doing it all over again. Why are they doing that? What is the reason for those things happening? Is because we're not addressing the true spiritual situation that's going on in our lives. We're not really dealing with what's the, listen, the matter is within. The matter's not without. It's just manifesting out here. It's just showing, and a lot of times not only does it manifest, it festers. In other words, the first time, I'm sorry is good. Maybe the second time, I'm sorry and roses will help. The third time, I'm sorry and a weekend away will not cut it. Because by the time you get to the fourth time, that person is pretty much saying, you know what, I don't believe a word you're saying. Why? Because we're not changing, and we don't have, in fact, not only are we not changing, we really don't have the ability to change because we're dealing with something on the inside, and until we submit to God on the inside, we can never effectively do things on the outside. Amen. Change is not change until we change it. You can talk about change. You can, you can know what change looks like. You can face it every day. But in the end of the day, if you're not willing to bring the change into your own life, then the things that you're faced with, you can never say, well, you know, if she would love me better, I would treat her better. Well, if he would love me more, I'd respect him more. You can't do that. You have to love and respect regardless of what's going on. You got to begin those things. You got to begin there, and you can't begin there. It's hard for us to begin there whenever we're looking at things and we know what's going on and we see what's happening. Amen. Now, I don't know, know why I, I, I'm laboring on this, but I feel like the Holy Spirit just kind of want me to camp here for a second. So, so bear with me here because this is really vital because I hear this all the time. Much of, the, listen, much of the counseling that we have to endure with people, go through with people, would come to an end if people would be willing to let God change them on the inside. Amen. A lot of the issues that you face in life would end if you just let Jesus Christ become the Lord of your life. 
Amen. And I mean Lord of your life. Not Lord of some things. Not reserve other things, but Lord of everything. Amen. That's what being Lord means. It means Lord of everything. And you know, it's interesting to me, I always find it interesting that whenever I first, you know, I do a wedding for someone and I go through this whole thing with sitting down with the bride and the groom and they're just, oh, 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 we never argue. We never fight. We are just, we're just so in love. Oh, I just can't wait, man. I just can't wait. I'm so in love. And I'd like to tell the dude, listen, dude, I got news for you. All right? You might as well go ahead and take the mask off now because in, in another week, she's going to know exactly who you really are. The problem with that is, is that once you get into the thing, you get into marriage, now you're married, now you're married before God and before man. See, in our world today, we think marriage is disposable. Marriage is not disposable. Amen. It's not, dis it's not something you can throw away. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that there are not times and there's not conditions and there are not things that happen where those things happen, but hear me right now. You got to understand that just because you're so in love right now, all right, doesn't mean that you're going to be in love tomorrow when you have to pick your socks up off the floor. Or when, you're, when he's telling you, honey, get me, a, get, me, get me something to eat. Honey, would you go up, would you do this, honey? Would you do that? And after a while, you know, you're thinking, dude, get it yourself. I was, I was getting my own stuff long before I'm ever going to start getting your stuff. And what, what happens to us, see? We start dividing up. No, here's the thing. You've got to understand what happens is, is that the enemy steps in because here's the thing you've got to understand about marriage. Marriage on earth is the visible representation of God and his bride. So you see in marriage, you see Christian marriage is visibly displaying, on display, for the entire world to see, the unsaved world, what it means, what it means to truly be a believer in Jesus Christ. And unless we're willing, unless we're willing to deal with the invisible, unless we're willing to deal with the stuff that's on the inside, there's no possible way we're going to deal with all, I don't care how many I'm sorry's you say. I don't care how many times you say, well, I take full responsibility for my actions and I will never do it again. If you're not changed on the inside, then that stuff that's there is going to come back out again and you're going to deal with it day in and day out and day in and day out and day in and day out. Until one or the other decides, you know what, I've had enough of this. I'm not going to go on this merry-go-round with you any longer. I'm not dealing with this. And people say, well, they, they just don't know. Listen to me. Listen to me. You have to understand that human beings have limitations. Amen. As a human being, you have limitations. You set limits. You don't know that. You don't know that. I've talked to people when they got into marriage. Here's what they said. They said, well, you know, I'm going to marry them, but you know what? Two years from now, if it don't work out, I'll just get a divorce. I said, well, then I'm not going to marry you. Well, why wouldn't you marry me? I'm not marrying you going into this thing thinking you're going to get a divorce in two years. You don't even know. You haven't even learned. How many years do you think it takes to learn to know somebody? I don't even know what that answer is. I've been married 42 years to my wife, and I still don't know her. Now, I know some things about her. I know her in ways no one else knows her, but I don't know everything there is to know about her. There's things that I find out 
Because every, every phase of life, every season of life, there are things that come up in life. Amen. But the joy of that is, is that you stay together and you work together. But the only way to found, the foundationally to make a marriage work is when Jesus Christ is the foundation on which you build it. Amen. Anything else, anything else will, will, will fail. And here's the thing. Now, you've got to understand that what he's saying is this, is that if you're not going to deal with the fruit of the issue, then all you're going to do is you're going to constantly look at the exterior part, and you're never going to change what's really going on. And see, here's the thing, because here's what we do. You know how we do it? We dig in, don't we? I am not budging. I am right, they're wrong, and that's the way it is. And I'm not going to move. I'm not going to change. I'm, I won't change until they change. I won't do it until they do it. I'm not going to act until they act. And what we do is we, and what, we've got one over here. And we got, uh, this happens in church too. Same thing. This is what happens in churches. This is the reason why churches divide. Because you got one group over here digging in. Nope, we're right. I don't care. We're right. I've got my position. It's right. No one else has to tell me it's right. I don't care what anybody else says. And over here, other people saying the exact same thing. When you get two people that are right, listen, two people can't be right. You can't. You can't. That is a fallacy of, that is, that is what happens when we get into this idea of subjective truth. Because some people have got the idea, they think, you know what, listen, if I tell you that God exists, and you tell me God does not exist, those two things cannot exist together. One is wrong. You know what our problem is? None of us want to be wrong. Am I right or right? Come on, am I, am, I, am I speaking truth or not? We don't want to be wrong. We want to, I want to be right. I want to be right even if I am wrong. If I am wrong, I'm going to prove I'm wrong. I'm going to do everything I can to try to tell you I'm right. Because that's what we do. But listen to me. Listen, what Paul is trying to show us is this. He says, you've got to understand, you've got to notice this, you've got to see this, that the issues that we deal with in our lives come to us as flesh and blood, but they, they're not because of flesh and blood. They're not because, you understand, do you hear what I'm saying? They're not because of flesh and blood, because of spiritual powers that are working against you. And until you start looking at that and recognizing that and allowing the Holy Spirit to begin to change you on the inside, it will not, it will not happen. You'll go through the same cycle. Oh, I'm telling I'm saving some of you a long-term issue in your marriage if you'll just listen to what I'm saying. I'm trying to help you to understand that if you're there, if you're at that place where there's constant conflict and constantly going on, you have to understand that it's the devil that has put a stronghold there. It's the enemy that has put a conflict there. It's the enemy that is bringing you into these places of darkness. Why? Because he wants to destroy you. And you can't have, you can't have it both ways. You can't be right you can't be right when only God is right. When God is right, you can't be right. You can't say, well, I'm right. No, God's right. God is truth. He said, let God be true and every man a liar. In other words, the only truth there really is, is God's truth. The only truth we can hold to is God's truth. 
And the truth is, the truth is, it's not that you hate your wife. The truth is that you hate yourself and you hate what's going on in you. And because you've got hate in your heart, God is taking that and trying to show you until you deal with the hate, God's not going to be able to do anything for you because you still won't let go of your hate. You won't let go of it. You're holding on to it. Why? Why? Because all you're doing is being, being destructive. When, 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 when the Word of God says, love your wife, love your spouse as Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. Now, how can you tell me that you love your wife when you curse her? How can you tell me you love your spouse when you say, take and you hit her? How can you tell me that you love the one that you say you love when you treat her as if she's a piece of garbage that you're casting aside whenever you feel like it? That is not what God did for you. That is not how God treated you. In fact, the truth of the matter is, you were, you were without God, you were nothing but a wretch, a filthy, dirty rag. Amen. And I know our world don't like that. Oh, that goes against my self-esteem. Well, my friend, listen to me. I don't care how much you think you're good. Jesus said there is no one good. Not, not even me. Only my Father in heaven is good. Amen. So you can sit there and talk about it all you want. And this is what Paul is trying to address here. He said, you've got to understand this. And I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry that I, that I can't go any further here, but I, I really feel like in my spirit that the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to us. Because listen, we cannot, the, the area of, of, demonic, of demonic warfare that is happening within the church, all right, is something that is a, it is happening in the world, and the world is, and the church is allowing it to come into the world. And that is this, that we're allowing the world's attitude about marriage and about human life and about the, the, who we are and how God made us, where it's bringing it into question in our lives. Amen. And so what we're doing now, what we're doing now is we're saying that marriage can be anything. I could marry a tree if I want to. Because I love my tree. Just because you love your tree don't mean your love is right. Not according to the Word of God. But if you go around and talk about, well, that's the truth I have. I could care less what your truth is. Because the only truth that matters is the Word of God. Because all truth comes from God the Father. Note, if, there is, if God's not the truth, then you don't have truth. There is, amen. So anything you do, anything you say, any way you act, if it is not based upon the Word of God, my friend, then it is not the truth. Yeah, but it makes me feel good. Okay. So? Yeah, but you don't understand. I don't have to understand. I'm a human being. The, the reality is only God understands us. And that's why Paul is trying to tell him, look, you've got to see this. You've got to understand. You've got to recognize this. That the fight you're in, it, the fight for your marriage, the fight for your existence, the fight for your spirituality, the fight for you right now is not against flesh and blood. The fight is spiritual. The fight is works of darkness. The fight is going on on the inside of you. There is a battle. And if you don't stand up, and if you don't take the word for what it is, 
and you don't start living it the way the Word says, I don't care how many times you name Jesus. Doesn't matter. Satan, the Bible tells us, believes in Jesus, but he trembles, at least he trembles at his name. There are many today that don't even, don't even say, they don't care about Jesus. They'll talk about Jesus like he was their best friend, and then they'll go and they'll stab him in the back by the lifestyle they live. Friend, listen to me. You can't say that you love God and hate your neighbor. You can't say you love God and treat your spouse like dirt. You can't say you love God. I don't care. I don't, you can sit there and you can question me all you want to. You can sit there and you can talk to, you can argue with me, you're blue in the face. But I'm going to tell you right now, I will not be moved by this because the Word of God tells us very clearly that the fight you fight is a fight on the inside. And until you're willing to bow your knee before the Father, and until you're willing to say, God, have mercy on my soul, until you're willing to say, God, forgive me. God, I need you to change me on the inside. God, I can't do this without you, Lord. I tried everything, and everything failed me. But now, God, I come humbly before you. Listen to me. Listen to me. You, if you're not careful, if you're not careful, the very darkness that's on the inside of your heart will eat you on the inside out. And you, you remember Herod? You remember Herod in the Bible? Remember King Herod? The Bible said that he died of a disease. You know what that disease was? He was eaten up from the inside out. That's what evil does. It eats you from the inside out. It'll eat you. It'll bring weariness to your life. There's a, listen, there's a lot of people that are walking around right now that the reason why they've walked around in their sickness, they've walked around in their disease, they've walked around in their stuff is because they've not let Jesus Christ do in them what needs to be done because we rebel against him. You say, is everything? No, listen to what I'm saying. If you're not willing to humble your heart before the Lord, if you're not willing, you're going to get addicted to drugs. You're going to get addicted to, to alcohol. You're going to get addicted to pornography. You're going to find yourself addicted to stuff. You're going to be caught up in anger and strife and jealousy and malice and all kinds of works of the flesh because you haven't yielded to the one who's trying to deal with you from the inside out. He's trying to deal with your heart, and it's a heart matter. Amen. And until you deal with your heart, until you deal with what's going on on the inside of your heart, it doesn't make no difference how many songs you sing to Jesus. It doesn't make any difference how many times you read or quote the Bible. It doesn't matter how many times you kneel down and pray and mention his name. If your heart is not right with God, he says to me, you are a sounding brass and a clashing cymbal, and that's all you are. And he says, I will not, I will not receive that. I will not accept that. It will not come to me. It will not be. But rather what you need to do is you need to leave your gift there and go and make right. Get things right. When you get things right, then everything else gets right. Amen. When I'm walking right, everything else is right in my life. When I'm living right, everything else is right in my life. When I'm seeking after the things of God, everything else works. Amen. God says all things will work together for the good of them that love God and are the called according to His purpose. So where are you this morning? Are you in a fight? Are you finding yourself wrestling? If you are, I'm going to ask everyone to stand to your feet. I feel the Holy Spirit speaking right now. Stop spending the enormous amount of energy and time on physical means to fix the problem that you, and forgetting that there is really a spiritual cause behind the circumstance that you're facing.
The primary focal point of your battle is not down here. It is there. It is in the spirit realm. And when you fail to realize this, the spirit realm does not get the same attention when we give it to the physical realm of our life. If we give more attention to the physical and not the spiritual, listen to me carefully. I've got to say this. You can go to the gym. You can work out every single day. You can be on a diet. You can, you can lose all kinds of weight. You can do everything you can thinking that that's going to please my spouse. But that is not the issue. I said that is not the issue. The issue is on the inside of the heart. The issue is, is that I've got to deal with what's going on here. I've got to let God be God of my house. I've got to let God be God of my marriage. I've got to let God be God of my life. He's got to be the Lord of everything. He's got to be the Lord. When I wake up in the morning, he's the Lord. When I go through my day, I show him to be my Lord. Whenever I make a decision, I don't do it unless he, he first tells me what I need to do. When I come home, I come home into a house that I've made for him and his glory and his glory alone. I treat my children and my, my wife, my husband, I treat them with the love that Jesus has loved me. Oh, I didn't deserve his love. I didn't deserve forgiveness. I didn't deserve to be released from my sin. But oh, the blood of Jesus, it washes white as snow. It cleanses my heart and makes me whole. Hallelujah. My Lord, would you raise your hands to him right now if you know him as Lord? Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I'm going to call these to the altar, Lord, according to the, what the Holy Spirit is saying. God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, I've done, all, I, I've done what I know I needed to do this morning. So, Father, right now, I'm just asking you, God, Speak to the heart. Draw them. If you know right now, listen, if you know right now, you know right now the issue is not somebody else. It's not something else. But you recognize that the issue lies within yourself. Don't blame nobody. Don't point fingers at anybody. Don't try to pawn it off on somebody. Don't tell us what you think we need to hear. I don't want to hear your excuses. I don't want to hear what it is that's going on. I want you to listen. I want you to listen to me. I want you to be honest before God and say, God, I recognize I'm the one that needs changing. The church don't need to change. The people around me don't need to change. God, I don't need none of that. I need you to change me on the inside. I need you to bring change to my life today. That's what I need. If that's you this morning, listen to me. Do not be ashamed of yourself. Come to this altar right now. This altar is open. Come. Come with a humble heart. Come and say, Lord, you know what? I'm just bowing to you. I need change inside of me, God. I want you to change me. I want you to renew me. I want you to revive me. I want you to change my heart. I want you to change my life right now, right here today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Sobre de la loco, rosa de la bahia, de bosile la loco, roto bahia. 
Don't be foolish to think that you can get away from my watchful eye. Don't be foolish to think that you can cover your sin any longer. For I, the Lord your God, see you and I know you. And I'm calling you to account today. I'm calling you to repentance. I'm calling you because I can forgive you. I'm calling you because I know that unless you come, your heart will walk harder than it's ever walked before. Oh, do not, do not turn from my word today. Do not turn from what I'm asking of you. Humble your heart. I will lift you up. Humble your heart, and I will bring change to your life. Humble your heart, and you will see my hand of mercy and grace upon your life. Oh, my Lord. Holy Ghost, right now. Come on, this altar right now. This is the place you need to be right now. You need an answer. This is where it's at. Come on. Come on. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your status is. I don't care where you've been. All you need to know right now is the Father's calling you right now. He's calling you right now. He's calling you. He's calling you, Holy Spirit, right now. Right now. Right now, husband. Right now, wife. Right now, son. Right now, daughter. Right now, mom. Right now, dad. Right now. Right now. Right now's the time. Right now's the time. He forgives us. He loves us. He's willing to work through us. He's willing to change us. He's willing to do it. Don't walk away with a hardened heart. Don't do that. Don't let the enemy rob you of what God is trying to do to change you and set you free. Don't do that in your life. No, don't do it. Don't do it. If you're bound with addictions, come. If you're bound with an addiction, come right now. Come. Only Jesus can set you free. Only Jesus can make you whole. Only G, if your sin is so, the Bible says, though your sin be as scarlet, I'll wash it white as snow.